0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Welcome back to Not Without My Sister, the podcast where you get to eavesdrop on a really intelligent conversation between two sisters who have lots of concerns about the world. No? I feel like this podcast is actually you, you know, when you're in a cafe and two people are there and they're laughing and you're like, I really want to know what they're laughing about. That's what this podcast is. But you get to know, you know what I mean?
2: I think that's your dream, because didn't you say the other day that you couldn't work as a waitress because you'd just be like eavesdropping on the most interesting conversation in the room? Well,
1: because the poor waitress walked over to give us our drinks. And at that very moment, you'd been going, well, she's filed for divorce and then the waitress walked away and I was like, how could she walk away from that? I'd be like, who? What <laughs> happened? Tell me more. <laughs> be absolutely useless. I'd like, probably purposely spill the drink and then I'd be like, oh, I better stand. Carry on, carry on. Carry like on The waitress conversation. Who, like the waitress who basically
2: sat down with us when we were out with mom and gave us her business card and talked about her yoga, well, etc. Yeah, but
1: see, that was different because she was telling us about her life. I would just want to know what you were talking about. But only because she kept popping over and saying, oh, that's so funny oh, what I know, you're talking I about, etc. Yeah. I
2: was like... uh luckily we are very entertaining
1: she was i mean she was very
2: nice actually do you still yeah. have, have her card somewhere i do yeah i met i met her again last night because i went to the same restaurant oh so, did yeah. you okay. she remembered me surprise surprise
1: god i mean it must be hard to pick you out of the lineup of irish women in, a, I mean, in fort wayne
2: her and the staff at starbucks is this beatrice i'm like
1: oh, no thankfully that's <laughs> never happened <to> me <laughs> Is this Beatrice for a venti latte? I'm like, no, it isn't. Although I did have that mortifying experience when I went into Taj Mahal in person, remember, and to pick up an order. And I was like, oh God, now they know that's Rosemary who orders like twice a week the exact same thing.
2: I thought you were going to say they all stood up and gave you a round of applause.
1: They were like, Rose. No, but they should have. <laughs> they should have. You're keeping the lights on. They, <laughs> they should have come out of the back with a baby and been like, because of you, we could afford to have another child. <laughs> Because of oh. you we could we could repaint our entire restaurant.
2: Imagine if imagine if like whoever came out of the back was actually the owner of Bombay Pantry at Rosemary when we heard we were moving to Fort Wayne and we decided we better come here too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually loved that. There's nothing like a Bombay Pantry chicken Tikka masala. Taj Mahal's nice, but it's not the same. That's nice. I know it's sad and, for Taj Mahal though, to mean. Bombay Pantry's Peshwari Nan is, let me tell you, Borston. With almonds and raisins, <laughs> delicious. Oh my god, I miss it so much.
2: I wish people could have seen the weird eye roll you did there. Like your eyes closed in kind of a, a an approximation of ecstasy, but like one of them stayed half open, and it looked like you were just about to—I don't even know—fall on the floor to and make convulse. these comments
1: about somebody's face. It's rude. 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 Yeah. Don't be giving me your raised Olivia Colman eyes. It's rude. What? Oh, you <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're a laugh a minute.
2: Today we were going to talk about screens Children. versus paper, learning on screens versus learning on paper, reading screens on screens versus reading on honest to God
1: books. And as the Americans would say, Beatrice, this is very apropos, because I hate <laughs> no, that. that, I hate that, <sighs> because but just it is, this week, but it is correct, I know, unfortunately, just this week we had this kind of discussion, the two of us, where we were putting together a calendar for everyday Feb. Well, you were doing up a calendar and a schedule very kindly because I was, I don't know, had a headache and just couldn't cope with anything. And you did up a great calendar and a great schedule and great notes and everything. But I somehow, but, no matter, but. but I, this is a me problem, not a you problem. Good. But I somehow, no matter how many times I looked at this calendar that you had done on Canva, very nice, I just could not get my head around what we were recording when and what was coming out which day. And I had to, very old-fashioned, print out a page, a February calendar page, and actually write down each episode in each page and figure out, because basically on Patreon, the episodes come out a day early and without any ads. And then they go out in the main feed, obviously, on, so for February, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then Patreon gets their bonus episodes on Friday and Saturday. But because they go out a day early, Patreon also get, Patreon also gets the early episodes on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, or no, Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday then. it's complicated. It's it's very complicated and I just could not get my head around it without actually getting a piece of paper and writing it down. And I'm the same with like notebooks and to-do lists and diaries. And even though I do fill out my Google calendar now and I frequently get reminders where I'm like, shit, I totally forgot that was tomorrow. I still like to have an actual paper agenda, paper planner to write down what's happening. So I have them all now written down twice, which is not very like, not an economical use of my time. But mm-hmm. without writing things down I find it really hard to retain them. You know what I mean? To even I don't know to like it's it's like I have to have a visual of them written down and having the actual visual on the computer doesn't work for me. I don't know why. So according to the British Department of the UK,
2: Department of Education, you are not alone. So kids aged between 10 and 12, apparently read reading on paper, learn more deeply was the phrase that was used. So learn. I have the
1: brain of a 10 to 12
2: year old. No, not necessarily. They only studied 10 to 12 year olds. This oh, could apply good. to okay. the entire world, right? That they learn more deeply than when they are reading on a screen. Now, it doesn't necessarily go into why I haven't read the paper myself. This is a synopsis of the findings. Mm-hmm. But it was very interesting. I do think that there's a lot more skimming online you know the the light itself is probably like more glaring in your eyes now here's really technical takeaways for you if somebody else is like nonsense but I also am the same like I find that I digest something in a book more easily I I tend Mm. to skim more online I think because I'm kind of going what's next click on this scroll down I sometimes I find myself scrolling too quickly for for my own reading ability
1: you know yeah I wonder how much of it as well is to do with the fact that when you're looking at a screen, it has now become really normal to look at a screen while doing something else, whether that's look at TV while you're looking at your phone, look at TV while you're knitting or while you're building Legos or whatever it is, look at TV while you're eating your dinner. And then also then look at your phone while you're talking to someone or, you know, I know you hate that, but, and and reading books, we don't have the same, I'm going to read a book while I'm doing X. Because you can't, oh, yeah. right?
2: Well, I mean, that's not quite true now. Our own father was pulled over by a bobby. When growing up For cycling and reading
1: I know The book laid out In the handlebars Of his bike (laughs) But also I feel like That guard had some cheek Because I don't think That's against the law
2: It probably is It's dangerous Distracted walking Is now against the law In lots of It's called Distracted walking Where texting (laughs) and walking Or like reading your phone Looking at your phone And walking Because It has increased The number of road Well I don't know that it has increased The number of road accidents But the number of accidents Involving people Who are on their phone Etc has increased Huh. Right, which could just be that more people are on their phone.
1: I mean, obviously totally makes sense because like we know now from years and years of studies that multitasking is actually a myth, right? That nobody can multitask effectively. Like you cannot do two things well at once. You can do one thing medium well and one thing poorly, basically. Everything suffers. So the idea that you can look at your phone and be aware of your surroundings and be aware of crossing the road or even who's coming, like it's not... That's not possible. Did I ever tell you about my friend who decided she was not moving over on the path for men anymore? Because she noticed that when you're walking along the path, which is like, not going to happen us here because nobody else has ever walked along the path towards you. But when you're walk- walking along the path in Dublin, she noticed, like, this is totally anecdotal, but she noticed that when men walked towards her, they didn't move. They just waited for or, or like she moved first. So she wasn't sure if they were going to move. And she, she said that she then decided, made a conscious decision, she was no longer moving off the path. And she said, since she decided this, she's had so many incidents where they've both just stopped in front of each other. Because the man is like, oh, like, why aren't you moving? You know what I mean? Even though why should she move any more than him? Anyway, I just thought that was interesting.
2: Well, I mean, that is not just a her phenomenon, right? There have been studies done on that where... Oh, have there? Yeah, where women actually end up being banged into very frequently because the individual, the male individual, does not think. Like, just does not think, I think. Doesn't anticipate anything other than, you know, pure subservience.
1: Yeah, and you can obviously extrapolate that then to every facet of life, that, like, women are always moving over or bending over or adjusting themselves and their expectations and their desires and their needs for the needs of not just men, but others, that that's what we're conditioned to do. Well, Rosemary,
2: as a scientist, I think that was a bit of a quick leap from one piece of anecdotal study and me saying that exists to you as saying that's life. Scientist. That's life. That mm. is life. We all know it. Well, you just said, I think therefore we can assume. I, As a scientist, I'm not comfortable assuming I I that. I said we can extrapolate. Yeah, we can extrapolate. And then you were basically saying that was a fact. So what I think... Does,
1: what does Reacher say about uh, Assumptions. They make assumptions an ass. get people killed. Oh, they get people... They make an ass
2: out of you and out of me. No, he doesn't Okay, he doesn't. No, he
1: says, assumptions plus. get people killed. Well, and then he then
2: get, proceeds to kill lots of people. Assumptions get people killed. He has very, it? very short arms. You reminded me there of them again when he's. pulled it. I your...
1: think it's because his traps are so overworked that his his whole shoulders... He has no necks. His whole shoulders and everything are up about next to his ears. And if you think about it, your arms look really short. But his arms are actually normal length if he just did this.
2: He can't do that, though. And when he puts on jackets, his hands... Like, the jacket cuff reaches... To like midway across his hand, which is where I noticed his
1: hands were really short. Oh, that's a good point. The, but the whole, you know what, the most ridiculous thing about Reacher is not the fact that everywhere they go, they leave 10 million bodies behind them and somehow don't get arrested or stopped by the police. The most ridiculous thing is the idea that he, at six foot five and about three miles wide, would go into a second hand shop mm-hmm. and find clothes that fit him. He absolutely would. They fit him really well. So they're fitted. They're perfectly
2: fitted. And he found a tuxedo somehow. Please. Um, What I found amazing is that he manages to do so much damage with the door of a car. So I am looking forward to the (laughs) opportunity. No, he's there was the first episode. Oh, was it? Yeah, where he would like saved that kidnapped kid. Oh yeah. And then in subsequent episodes he then damaged other people with doors of cars. And I am just looking for the opportunity to slam somebody's half of somebody's body in the door of a car when like at some point I have an opportunity to do that I will take great pleasure in just slamming that door on them and hearing the satisfying crack of their bone (laughs) (laughs) anyway back to the screens (laughs) well actually it was screens yeah and I was thinking also like audible's not a screen but like can you absorb a book as well audibly like
1: via what's the word hourly Uh, hourly yeah you're right um I think it's probably back to the same thing about when you're reading a book, you can't do anything else. Whereas the only time I ever listen to an audiobook is when I'm doing something else. So when I'm cleaning or putting up laundry or driving, that's when I listen to audiobooks. And that's when I listen to podcasts as well, right? That's when I do my listening. So obviously, the amount of concentration that it takes to listen to an audiobook is Half of what it takes to actually read a book. So when I when I'm reading a book, I'm sitting down and I'm just reading that.
2: But do you absorb the audible like the audible as well as much as a
1: a read book? Well, that's what I'm saying. No. Oh, no, like you
2: didn't say that. You just were telling us what you do. Okay, when you're so listening I'm saying audible.
1: But basically, because my attention is divided between the audiobook and whatever else I'm doing, no. And like sometimes I do find myself going, "Oh shit, I have no idea what just happened over the last five minutes," and I have to rewind. Or, and that's kind of why I listen to nonfiction actually on audiobook is because. With non-fiction, even though you might miss an important passage, you might suddenly not know the key to everything in life or whatever, whatever you're listening to, it's it's harder to miss a part of the plot and continue than it is to miss a point about, you know, the importance of fresh air or something and then go on to the next thing. Like, you can kind of miss that bit and go, you know what, I got 80% of what that book was and that was fine. But if you get 80% of a fiction book, the 20% could be the climax or the who done it or the clues, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, yeah. I definitely think I don't concentrate as much when I'm listening.
2: And as a scientist,
1: that would be a problem for me
2: because I'd probably be listening to peer published reviews or
1: data. You stumbled, <laughs> the way you stumbled <laughs> over the phrase peer, pu- peer, peer published, <laughs> God, peer published
2: like, reviews, you couldn't even get it out. What's the word? Journals, scientific journals. And if I missed 20% of something scientific, that would be probably a problem. I'd be missing like part of an equation.
1: Well, actually, it did say in that article about the study that had been done on kids that it hasn't been peer-reviewed yet. So as a scientist, you shouldn't even be talking about (laughs) this. It's not even (laughs) peer-reviewed. I am the peer and I'm reviewing it. I'm like, I agree. (laughs) What do you like, have you noticed a difference in, say, your kids, say from Nash, when he was learning pre-pandemic and learning on paper with books and everything, have you noticed a difference between him and, say, chance? Uh, No, I
2: just think it's... It's very, it's a bit like reading the newspaper online, right? I feel, I find it unsatisfying because, now this is real granny stuff, right? But like there's a there's an unsatisfying, look, what article am I missing? You know, you might say to me, oh, I read this article in the New York Times and I go, oh come, yeah, I didn't see that, you know? Yeah. Whereas with the I do newspaper, I get to see it from start to finish and I can mm-hmm. skim over what I want to skim over, skip what I want to skip, but I feel like I have been offered everything. Whereas online, yeah. I know it's all there, but I have to go and look for it. And I feel like that's the thing for the kids that's hard is that they have to go and look for things and they're not necessarily getting maybe the same balance that they would with a book. You know, the book has mm. all the information in it and yeah, they have to look in the book, but it's all kind of there available to them. But whereas online, they need to know, they need to be more pointed in their searches. And I think therefore uh-huh. that excludes a lot of information that would otherwise be available to you in a book. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, they really only ever reach a much more limited amount of information maybe it's there's a lot more information on there
1: Mm -hmm. but
2: it's like it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because they only find the things that they look for
1: and that they're interested in Mm -hmm. yeah And and I think as well you know you have all this information on your phone or on your laptop or on your tablet or whatever but without actually having Like you said, it bound into a book going, This is what's important. Like this is the information that you need to take in. And that's what I find about newspapers as well, is that when you buy a newspaper, on page one, right, they have the day's most important stories. And then page two and page three and it goes down by priority. Then they have life and culture and specific sections. But when you look at a newspaper online, on page one they actually have the stories that people are most likely to click on. So you kind of miss like sometimes I wonder what would have been on page two? What would have been on page three? And we can actually buy the New York Times and Kroger. So when I'm reading the New York Times, I sh- like occasionally I think I should just go and buy it and see what I'm missing by reading online. Although I did decide the other day that I was not going to support them anymore. Oh, I unsubscribed. Now I miss it though.
2: I'm going to subscribe okay. to the Irish Times. But you can subscribe also in broadsheet format, which is extra. You pay extra. It, to, to the New York Times? I think to the Irish Times. Oh, the well. Irish Times, yeah, yeah. But, and I think I would do that because for exactly that reason, I feel like I am... I'm in an echo chamber of my own making online mm. versus mm. and the, I mean we all are and that's the difference between like news the way I want to consume it and news as it's delivered to us on the internet. Yeah,
1: but that's kind of the importance of journalism, right? Is that they're they're not just showing you the stories you want to read, they're showing you the stories that are as objectively as they can be within a group of 30 journalists or you know 20 editors or whatever. They're showing you the stories that are important for you to read, that mm. matter to the society that you're living in, the country that you're living in. And that's something that like, I don't trust myself to decide that. But I don't even know what I'm looking for. That's the problem. you know. So and the same thing with the kids. So I noticed like when
2: they're doing remote learning now, some days when it snows and they're, you know, they're the pandemic was kind of a thing unto itself and everybody just did their best. Mm -hmm. I think we were all Mm -hmm. learning, but now they learn everything here, especially on iPads. All the kids have iPads. That's where they do their, all their schoolwork. Now they do have libraries. They've like really well stocked libraries, but I find it interesting when I, you know, we have, mom has given the kids for Christmas a couple of times the Guinness Book of Records. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting. They love it. Like, they totally Mm. devour that book. And I think it's interesting. They're like, oh, look at this. There's there's a, you know, record for, you know, how many snakes can be eaten or whatever. Like, how many mice a snake can eat, whatever. (laughs) Whereas when they go online, they go, I'm interested to know how many pies were eaten you know, in one yeah. sitting, kind yeah, of yeah, They and don't again, get to the other parts. Yeah, yeah, so it's really kind of more about broadening your mindset or mm-hmm. like your awareness of what out, what's out there. If you're not, you know, traveling every day of yeah. the week and being yeah. exposed to broader cultures, which especially is a problem, I think, when you're in the Midwest, like like we are, when you or probably when you're in the middle of anywhere. I mean, I think there's much more of an awareness. Certainly, when I was growing up, much more of an awareness of the rest of the world in Europe and there's much more mm, insularity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here. Not in New York, right? But here in the Midwest. Yes, yeah. And not everybody, obviously, but certainly no. I experience that there's much less of an awareness of what is happening in terms of cultural events or current events, etc. And I do think a lot of that is again back to I'm looking for what I'm looking for. The, the algorithm is feeding me what
1: I looked for yesterday. Yeah, but I also do think there's a cultural aspect of it. Of course there is, right, but I think there's a real there's a real emphasis on individualism in America. And like, what's important to us and what's going to affect us in a way that I don't think we're really brought up with that in Europe or in Ireland. Anyway, that here I think, like, because I've spoken to people about this and I've gone, you know, it's interesting. Like to Brandon and Brandon's friends and like family and gone. It's interesting to me that we know so much about America, and I think that the attitude kind of is like, well, why would we? You know, like this is what's important to us. This is what's going to affect our everyday lives. And there's a real emphasis on that being what's important. And I think that's quite interesting as well. That like that's what, but you know what I find even even the streaming services right, if you like if you think about when we were growing up and you'd put on whatever channels we had right or T one or T two and then we had T V three and then T J car and then like in our teens we then got like cable, but when we were much younger you turn on the TV and you'd have a choice of four channels but you'd be presented with their programming. And you might end up watching stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think. And like mum be like, you don't have to watch just for the sake of watching. And I'm like, I do. I'm watching TV tonight. (laughs) But I'd end up watching like a documentary about something or, you know, even reeling in the ears or something that I'm like, I wouldn't pick that out of a streaming service. And also, to your point, like the streaming service wouldn't present it to me. Yeah. Especially once it gets to know my algorithm, like it's only presenting more of what I've already watched, which... (sighs) is what I like, but I'm missing out on... It's actually very annoying. A friend
2: of mine was saying this the other day. She's like, I, I'm very interested in X, Y, and Z. And I used to get it all the time on Instagram and now it doesn't present it to me anymore. And obviously it's not what she's spending time on, like, or for a certain period of time, it, she maybe got tired of it or whatever, mm-hmm. or it's like, was intrigued by something else. But now it doesn't present it to her anymore. And getting, like, kind of thinking yourself, oh, actually, I used to see all these... You know, miniaturists, whatever, like Mm -hmm. artists on Instagram. And now I don't see them anymore, even though I still follow them. And sometimes I go, did I unfollow that person? I go in and check it. Like, that's actually very, like, I think the algorithm, it's so focused on selling you things and on, you know, on just marketing. Like, it's missing. There needs, I think we need to pull back a bit on you know, the idea of the unexpected that will surprise Mm -hmm. and delight, like it's Mm -hmm. it's very dull after a certain amount of time. Yeah, It
1: it really narrows your scope of interest and your scope of knowledge in a way that I think is really, is going to be really damaging in like generations and decades to come. Well, also
2: probably it'll make these apps like less relevant, right? Because at Mm -hmm. a certain
1: point you do get bored
2: only talking to yourself. Like I'm already looking at Instagram going, I don't want to see these again. You know what?
1: I think TikTok is actually very good at that. And it's also very good because you can very easily say not interested and then it won't show you. Because like for a while I was getting all these like people doing the you know scrolling through like what celebrity face do I have or whatever mm-hmm. I was getting a lot of those over and over and I was like I don't want to see any of these and then I just started clicking on interested, and then I got started getting more and more but I think on Instagram as well what we often forget is that the stuff that we engage with and not just like but actually comment which I don't do
2: oh I don't do it at all
1: really mm. but stuff that we comment on is the stuff that we then get served more oh, as I well I don't
2: comment on anyone so I don't know why I'm getting served
1: I'm getting served like lots of weird things about people with like
2: varicose veins on their feet and I'm like that is not me so no no I mean, it might be in the future, but it isn't now. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't think I'm looking at anything like that. I'm looking at a lot of plastic surgery right now, but I... That's probably then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at a lot of plastic surgery, but accidentally. And I've also been getting served a lot of, and I think it's your fault because you sent me one. I'm getting served a lot of veneers content. <laughs> you sent me one that was this person going like a celebrity before and after veneers. And I think it was a dentist analyzing yes, their veneers. It
0: and now I'm getting a lot of veneer content. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? At greenlight.com slash acast.
2: So just go back to that comment that you made though about individualism, because I think that's really I think that's interesting. And it I've thought about it a lot actually since moving here. And I I agree with you. I don't I don't think it's come I mean, it's obviously based in the whole American ideology, right, of the individual and Mm -hmm. the you know, America as a great power, etc. But like for the average person kind of living here on a day to day basis, there is this kind of oh, that's just not really relevant to me. Like I don't really mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. at that. And I think there is, again, a happy medium, because I think that we as Europeans used to having a broader kind of global awareness, not than everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Clearly not than everybody. And depending on your interest level. Yeah, cetera. of course, of course. But it can also be bad for you. Right. Because I think at a certain point, like and the you know, that sounds very privileged, but i um, I think that you can be over concerned, overly concerned as well. Like I think for a while I was very focused on what was happening around the world and, you know, staying up to date with the news. And after a while, like, as mom says, even on a on a, on a non-news day, people managed to drum up headlines and scandal. And, you mm-hmm. know, you kind of wonder like, is this actually mega news? I yeah. mean, there are obviously major events that have happened over the last 24 months, like Ukraine, mm-hmm. Palestine, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, Israel. Um, but even when those kinds of things don't happen, the newspapers managed to have a page one and like news and fill an hour for the six o'clock news, et etc or half an hour, however long it is now, et cetera and I think there is a balance, and I remember during the pandemic, particularly when people's mental health i mean we're still all going through it right, like we're still going th- the aftermath of maybe it isn't even that it made people's mental health worse or worsened it. It just brought it to the surface, and people started talking about it and accepting it and acknowledging it, but a lot of I think politics, particularly in America when you follow that, can become extremely all-consuming
1: and unhealthy, you know, and there are a lot of podcasts that are very, very angry. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and that you listen to and you come away from feeling really like jarred, not jarred in the drunk sense, but just like it's yeah, very jarring. jarring. Um, but I saw, well, I've seen a few accounts talking about this, particularly with a focus on mental health, but talking about basically, there's been a lot of reporting about how Palestine and Gaza and the genocide that's going on there now is the most not just reported upon but the most shared and the most um photographed and the most filmed the most documented basically war or atrocity and genocide in history and we are now seeing more images of that than we have ever seen of any kind of of any war of any conflict ever before even like Ukraine and Russia isn't being shared the way that what's happening in Palestine is and basically i've seen a lot of people kind of mental health experts talking about how we're not designed and we're not accustomed to be overstimulated in this way and to be constantly bombarded with images of war and famine and, you know, injuries and crying children and devastation. And that actually this does a real number on our nervous systems in a way that we're just not used to having done to us. And I think that was true for the pandemic as well, that like obviously there's never been any worldwide event that's been documented as well as the COVID pandemic was simply because of technology and, you know, where we are now versus where we were a hundred years ago. Um But I think that's really worth bearing in mind, especially when we think about children and like how much time they spend looking at YouTube or looking at TikTok and being served over and over and over again. These visuals of things that they might find interesting or amusing or even shocking or scary and that they're just seeing over like so much of that we're not really designed to cope with or that we don't really have the, we're we're not really equipped with how how to kind of parse that out in our brains and compartmentalize it away from our everyday lives and from our families and from what we're doing every day. And I think you're right that like, if you like, it's, it is possible and easy actually to just consume all of this like devastating news over and over all day and then really find yourself getting very like, nihilistic with like kind of sitting down going what's the point like what's the point am I doing what's the point like what's the point in any of us and like this happened to me as well when kind of it started with Palestine and Gaza and I was going oh my god and I have like I have a little baby and why did I bring him into this world and like what am I doing and what's the world going to like and you just can't You can't live in that space because it's not productive or conducive to anything positive, I don't think. Yeah. And
2: that's where, you know, it starts to sound privileged because, I mean, that's where I'm it's it's hard. It's a hard conversation to have because it's also Mm. like not everybody gets the choice. Right. So, you know, but if you do have the choice, I suppose that's it. Like you have to think about how can you be productive? And my therapist would say, is this serving you? Is this useful to you? And if you really want to do something about it, what are you going to do about it that is useful that you can mm, do realistically, mm. you know, given your resources, time, etc. Yeah. cetera. Um, I also was talking with two parents, two female friends of mine who were, have like 12 year old boys, 14 year old boys. And I was just saying, you know, that I'm trying to keep an eye on what the boys are watching, my boys, because, you know, they follow a lot of gamers, they follow a lot of online personalities who are. I am concerned like even if they don't outwardly come across as negative or misogynistic or kind of mm-hmm. in types I said still some of their conversation that I hear probably they're probably totally fine people right but they themselves are influenced by everything happening in the mm-hmm. world and they're mm-hmm. like I'm trying very hard to create fem to like to create to help my children understand you know equality feminism mm-hmm. you know why you want to be a good person etc and I was saying, you know, when Andrew Tate was first arrested, um, a lot of the kids that I'm I know here Mm -hmm. were like totally in denial, you know, oh no, this is a great guy, he's a gamer, he's cool. Because they're not privy to, but like they are absorbing his messages nonetheless, but they're not understanding them. But they don't understand them. And they're also not, you know, they're not necessarily under they're not necessarily absorbing his webcam messaging, Mm etc. That's a whole other aspect that they haven't yet, hopefully, um discovered. But these two parents had never heard of Andrew Tate, which I found really surprising yeah. given, you know, the demographic of their children, the fact that this is on every website, even mm-hmm. if you're not searching mm-hmm. for Andrew Tate, I feel like he was everywhere for many yeah. months. Yeah. And it's still frequently brought up or interviewed yeah. or talked about, et cetera. So that was also alarming to me that like half the time I mean, and that was, you know, and I, I sound like I'm going like, I know all about him and they didn't. But I'm sure there are other things that I don't know about. Like yeah. the fact that yeah. this kind of danger is out there. You know, I do think he is a dangerous individual. I do mm. think, like his rhetoric is very dangerous, and yeah, what he's what he's sharing, how he's Im- the the number of children and adults that he is influencing, and yeah. even if they're not as extreme as he is, like that thought, like that whole mindset is, you know, permeating the internet, and that's really mm-hmm. dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's just there's so much out there that, like, no matter how well versed you are in Andrew Tate you can't possibly be well-versed on Andrew Tate and this other like Mr. Beast or you know like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Mr. Beast necessarily although there was a really interesting episode of the Daily the New York Times podcast about that. Um, but no matter how well-versed you are in X you're going to be missing out on Y or Z because there's this, this like bombardment of information. I remember talking about this when I was on Midday on TV3 and talking about kids and phones and basically somebody we were talking about how somebody's kid had access pornography or talked about pornography and someone else was basically going like, you're so irresponsible. How could your kid access porn? And it was like, if your kid has a phone, they can access pornography. So actually you're better off talking to them about it and being open. But like, it's like parenting has just got, I think exponentially more difficult because there's so much now to keep an eye on. Like it used to be you needed to keep an eye on what your kids are watching on TV. You needed to kind of be aware of what they were talking about with their friends, like a little bit of eavesdropping where the door, they were going, where they were going, who they were going there with. Whereas now it's like, they can be in their bedroom in your house or on the couch next to you. And you still don't know where they're going on their phone.
2: Well, I mean, and and you know, and obviously, that's the part where you have to go and keep up with them. But they are also they're a lot more savvy than a lot of parents, including probably myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, what you said there is is correct, like, I personally feel that Nash or, you know, Nash or any of my kids are going to find things that I Mm -hmm. don't approve of that. Mm -hmm. And you have to just hope that you have educated them enough, you know, or talked with them enough to explain like you might be looking at this thing and you might be curious and that's okay to be curious. But like, here's why we don't think that's good or to even have the ability to understand that they're being fed something. Like yeah, or, it's, it's hard even as an adult like, to know that this yeah. is this is a slanted perspective. Yeah. I
1: think it's a combination of like media literacy and then like critical thinking skills that are really hard. Like when because kids like our kids will say to us, Oh, I saw this on YouTube, and it's really like I saw it on YouTube, therefore mm. it's true. And we're trying to explain, no, no. And they're very trusting in the sense no no no, it sure, couldn't right, be on YouTube right. if it wasn't true. As you keep wanting to bring up, I thought what's his name? Jeremy Allen Jeremy Wh- White, yeah.
2: Was Gene Wilder's son because there was an article saying um, there was an article that popped up on my screen saying, check out these um, related family members.
1: Oh, right, so I'm, I, all, I'm always telling mum she needs to not click on those because they come up at the bottom of, of, of her Irish Times app. And she's always going, oh, I read this in the Irish Times. You're like, that wasn't on the Irish oh, Times. Well, at least that I, I on, knew like, that wasn't.
2: This was on ZurgNet or something. Through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is on ZurgNet or something. And I actually, I, but I did click into
1: it and I did say
2: this is his yeah. grandchild and he, they have the same blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, fact.
1: Yeah. But you know what the thing is as well? They couldn't have printed that in a book. That's why we should all be reading books. I'm getting off the internet. Good point, Rosemary. Thank you very much. Thank you all so much for listening to Not Without My Sister. You can get us on patreon.com slash notwithoutmysister. Email us notwithoutmysister at gmail.com. Send us a DM on Instagram at notwithoutmysister. And please, whatever you do, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to this.
2: Well, they could have printed in a book, but they would have had to label it under fiction. Or satire. Correct. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye. Not Without My Sister is recorded in studio in Fort Wayne by Don Kirkland, who also wrote our theme tune, and the original illustration is by
0: Lindsay Nielsen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.